You're listening to Malka Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Well, you can't get it any better when uh, we have our Ibi. Yeah, he's Ibrahim Dawood, someone that I grew up with, someone that I embraced and celebrated for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Refocus, uh, upliftment uh, center, Rauf. And Upliftment Foundation. Upliftment Foundation. Yes, I got that right. And Alhamdulillah, Ibi, you know, some things that's happening in our part of the world. And when you're looking around, uh, people are talking about drugs and talking about uh, substance abuse. And uh, you've been in this game for a long time. And uh, then, uh, you know, we find that uh, rehab centers and the uh, relevance in the new world uh, disorder. You find uh, that, you know, uh, perhaps every second or third uh, individual or, you know, community wants to open up a rehab center. But, uh, you know, there is a relevance, but the reason of opening, perhaps Allah, Allah knows the intention. But in your case, I mean, you opened it, there was a need for it. And uh, through the tapestry of time, Ibi, uh, your center has uh, stood the st- uh, test of time. And uh, perhaps the question, maybe a very contentious one, is why is it that most of the centers, I know yours is excluded, charge an arm and a leg? to, uh, you know, uh, implement a rehab program. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And how are you doing this uh, beautiful uh, morning, Ibi? Wa alaikum salam to you and all the listeners out there. Yes, uh, Shafad, you know, it's uh, like you said, a very vast topic. And then the relevance is, you know, it's so great. In terms of station, uh, well, we obviously started after 94. You know, when they when they removed the army from the board and brought in SAPS, that time we were involved with SANDEF, sitting in the Stura committee, doing home visits, checking welfare cases that needed assistance. And we could see at that time, substance abuse becoming a major problem. And Alhamdulillah, look, something had to be done. Something definitely had to be done. As an Ummah, as a Muslim community, something had to be done. We had to do something. Backs to the wall. People are suffering. Uh, we're losing. People are losing their Iman. Uh, you know, a lot of them have lost their Iman. They become pastors and preachers with Muslim names. And it's all because we didn't have the facility. We didn't have the knowledge, the tool to deal with the problem. We could do everything. We all types of dawah, we do all types of relief, we do all types of educational programs, we do all types of great, great things, alhamdulillah. When it came to drugs, I challenge anybody in the, or anybody in the world, we were caught sleeping. And we could see that time, early 94, 95, we could see this problem. And you know, your, our iman would not allow us to walk away from what we saw. At that time, Substance abuse, I would say maybe 30, 40, maybe 50% of the cases were substance abuse-related cases, which means you're not solving the problem, you're giving them fish and not giving them the rod. And then we try to seek out help for these, you know, Muslim families that were from disadvantaged backgrounds, and we found, you know, um, underprivileged families, we found that they were totally stuck. There was no help. If there was help, like you just mentioned now, it will cost you an arm and a leg. And imagine you're putting huge sums of zakat, lilla, money into this thing, and we look at the internet, it's only 1%. Now, which person in a normal sense who want to spend that amount of money on a 1% success rate? So, yes, alhamdulillah, mm. we started the search, we started the research, we started this journey uh, to get into this, 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 uh, this rehabilitation program, alhamdulillah. We've toured the country. We visited all the rehab. We researched all the rehab centers. We looked at every single rehab. I must tell you, some of them run fantastic programs. But when you ask them the success rate, they tell you if you can get one a year, you're doing well. That wasn't good enough for us. Number one is 
The cost factor, you're paying huge amount of money. Out of every hundred, you're going to get one success. It's absolute nonsense. So we said, no, let's look at a completely different approach. We look at the medical approach. We look at the psychological approach. We look at the therapeutic approach. We look at the spiritual approach. But then, the very last thing, as Muslims, you know, we always take what anybody else tells us seriously. But what Allah tells us in the Quran, we don't seem to take that seriously. Then we found that in Surah Al-Maidah, Allah says, verse 91, intoxicants, shaitan's plan is to create enmity and hatred between you, intoxicants and gambling. And take you from Salah and Zikrullah. Surah Al-Maidah, verse 91. Allah, when I saw that, I said, but this is shaitan's plan. Where are we looking for the solution? We're looking for a medical solution. We're looking for some other therapeutic solution. We're looking for a psychological. Yes, there may be a psychological thing on it. But the thing is, it gave us the answer. Addiction is seen to be as a disease. The Quran is telling you, shaitan has put you into it and you've cultivated this habit. And how you learn to do the wrong, you've got to learn not to do the wrong. So that's where our... That was the foundation of our operation. And Alhamdulillah, the entire program, Quran gave us all the answers. You look at Surah Al-Baqarah. You look at all the Surah Al-Kaf. You look at all the Surahs. The Surah, what teens. Allah is telling us, He created man the best of form, bring the lowest of the low. That's what got us, prompted us. And Alhamdulillah, 97, 98, Rauf was founded. And 25 years later, we have 18 support groups throughout the country. Uh, we have uh, three, uh, three facilities, two shelters, one halfway house. And the thing is, our entire approach, we refuse to accept. If something is giving you 1%, why should I look into it? Mm. If you're getting a 1% success rate, I must be, I must, there must be something wrong for me to do a program that only gives you 1%. So we have to really look at this thing and think outside the box. We've researched programs throughout the, country, throughout the world. And the Quran gave us an answer. And we had to then re-look at this entire thing. Our men, we had to first change the mindset. If there is a drug problem in your house, the first thing we have, put the child in a rehab or the husband or the wife or the sibling into a rehab. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. And we found that to be totally incorrect. Totally incorrect. The entire approach towards addiction was totally incorrect. That is why Rauf has initiated support groups. Now, when COVID hit us, uh, Shafat, you know, if you look at the statistics in this country, South Africa is sitting currently with 15% of our youth on drugs. 15% of, of the population, 10 million on drugs. The, so up to 2007, I don't have the latest stats, up to two, 95 to 2007, it grew by 1,100%. They reckon currently one in every two children in a home will be addicted to drugs, not, not in the foreseeable future. They're telling us that South Africa is the drug capital of the world. These are stats. They're telling us these are the realities. That was 2000 and that was 1997. I would say we were in a good space. Now we are now sitting with a pandemic. And yes, we must do. Imagine if we approach COVID. The way we're tackling the drug problem. So what we will do, the way, if we had to handle COVID the way we're dealing with the drug problem, we wait for everybody to get sick and don't take them to the hospital. Am I right? Mm. Is that right? Is that right? No. Because why do you wait for people to get sick before you give them help? Why don't you be pro and COVID taught us to be proactive, put in the prevention, put in all the all the all the measures in place. There's the safe, the the the, the, the social distancing. You know, it comes to uh, using the facial mask. They taught us everything. We let you in 24 hours. 
We applied it, and Alhamdulillah, we got out of it. Now, if we had to do 50% of that with addiction, we would be sitting in a good space. So that is where Rauf comes in. Rauf has taken in proactive measures, holistically, proactive measures in empowering the youth through our youth program. We have a thing called the Rauf Youth Program, a team that go out and do all types of youth awarenesses at masjids, schools, churches, wherever it is. Wherever it is, to be proactively preventing our children. Then educating parents on radio, all types of platforms. Educating. Because imagine, there's drugs all over the country. South Africa, after 98, 94, became a conduit and a haven. Prior to 94, it was a conduit. After 94, it became a haven and a conduit. Imagine drugs everywhere. You know what? I'm yet to find a school where there's no drugs. Drugs everywhere. Everywhere. And you expect your child not to touch it. What did you do? How did you empower yourself before you can empower your child or not to, to take drugs? So that is where the Rauf, it's a holistic program. It covers A to Z. It, we haven't left any gaps. And Alhamdulillah. Then the next factor, like you said, the cost. You know, Shafat. Mm. Some people, I comment all those that are doing Allah's work, you know. If the intentions are good, may Allah reward them. But whilst we are suffering, people are being exploited for huge amounts of money. I know parents that have to go and bond their properties. I know parents that have to go and sell their houses. I know people that go to loan sharks to get money to put their children to rehab. And what they got? Nothing. So what you're doing is you're clipping, you're only Cutting the blades of grasses, you're not going to the root. So what will happen? It'll grow again. And that is why we had to come up with a program simultaneously that is so cheap that if you don't have the money, it's not a problem. Rauf is not based on cash. Rauf is based on commitment. Where 97% of our cases don't have the means. Right? And we had to make it so cheap that even if a man wants to pay for it, he can afford it. So, alhamdulillah, you know, we put this program together. And yet, uh, you know, I'm not saying any ego to something absolutely. We can tell you comfortably that we have, if you complete the program, we give you a 95% success. And if you don't, if you drop out, maybe uh, you don't finish the aftercare program, we give you a 50%. That is unequaled, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, you really make us uh, think. And, uh, you know, over the years, as you said, uh, there have been uh, many rehab, uh, uh, you know, foundations that, that were founded. Uh, uh, let's talk on uh, specifically on the, I mean, you talk about 1% success rate. Uh, this includes, uh, I mean, every le- rehab uh, organization, whether it's Christian, whether it's Hindu, whether it's Jewish. But 1% success rate is uh, shocking indeed. And, in, uh, you know, as you said, uh, it can be a cash cow. It can be, uh, you know, uh, put people into debt. Uh, absolutely. That is one word, exploitation. And the bottom line is, uh, uh, if you're talking, uh, you know, Islamic law in the Muslim sense, you know, they call themselves a Muslim uh, rehab and so forth. How many of them have closed down or, you know, how many have opened since, uh, you know, the last uh, few years, uh, E.B.? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something, Shafat. Of course, they are, from my experience, there are very few uh, there's very few organizations that are really out there to make that meaningful uh, difference in people's lives. And of course, uh, being a Muslim from the Muslim community, uh, you know, sadly, I don't know of too many. You know, I don't want to go into specifics. I don't know of too many, or I may not know of any, 
uh, you know, that may, that, that, that offering a service uh, like this free. And, and I don't know of any uh, that is down, that out there to sit with a parent on a weekday evening every single week to establish support groups throughout the country every single week for running for 20, 25 years without charging a cent. You know, I was talking to one of our recoveries, uh, he's about seven years clean, and he told me there's one program somewhere, one of the, one of the uh, YouTube programs, you pay huge amounts just to get counseled. You know, and the thing is, it has become a huge thing. And of course, yes, a lot of them have come up and a lot of them have gone out of business because, look, with a low success rate, you're not going to fool the people all the time. You know, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the fool of all the people all the time. Eventually, people start to see through these programs. And mm. Alhamdulillah, you know, we are there. Uh, we are there, make, we make do what Allah give us the strength. And you know, after our time, the work needs to carry on. And we are there. We are there to make a meaningful difference. And at the end of the day, whatever these other facilities are doing, uh, we see, we see the, we see the, we, we tell, I even tell people, those who got money, I say to them, please, do me a favor, go to all the rehabs you want to. Choose anyone that you want to. When you finish, you come and see me. And this one dad actually did that. He went from from 2012, he's been around, he's tried every single program, and now he comes to me, and I said, he said, now I'm prepared to listen to you. Because I didn't believe you, now I've went and done this. Now whatever you tell me, I will do. I said, thank you very much, now we can talk. So we all have this quick fix, and those that have money, they want to pay that money and think that the problem is going away. They are not fixing the problem. Whilst you are looking for that comfort, three months of comfort. You are being exploited. You are being exploited for your money because of your affluency. And of course, with us, we take on anybody. You can be, we've had them from the highest to the lowest. We've had some very senior people that, from all types of from medical background, from all types of professional background. And Alhamdulillah, you get the same treatment. Hey, make a business out of this. Instead, instead of making money on this, Shafat, on the side, Rauf has started a feeding scheme in KZN and in Cape Town, Western Cape. We're feeding approximately in Cape Town 35 to 40,000 meals a month. It's about our giving back program. Recoveries must take their monies and we collect from whoever. We have a sponsor from Gallagher uh, Charitable Trust. They came in with us, partnership with us. Recoveries have partnered with us. Cape Town is now pushing 35,000 meals a month. Durban is pushing 40,000 meals a month. And these are things that are run by our recoveries giving out, giving back to the communities. So we can, you know, we spend about maybe two million a year. That money is Linda. We could have very well done with that money, spending it on ourselves. But no, whatever extra comes into our pocket, it goes out back into the, goes back to the people. So yes, we want to make the difference. And we don't want, today, money, money, money is what talks. With Rauf, money doesn't talk. Hmm. The commitment, if you are not, I promise you, I challenge you. The man can come here with all his money, and he thinks he's a shortcut, do a, you know, a, sh- a, sh- a short circuit the process. It's not going to happen. You will follow protocols. We will start from A, B, C, D. We're not going to go straight to Z. We're going to start right from the beginning like everybody and complete the program like everybody else because we want a success. We want a success at all costs. 
Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a point that's been made. There's a clip going around. I don't know if you listen to it on, uh, you know, social media, where uh, the, uh, you know, the paranoid uh, movement, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, the paranoia, I don't want to call it a paranoia. There's a paranoia amongst people now. I mean, uh, you know, it's been mentioned uh, girls as young as 11, 12, 13. Uh, you know, in the uh, from the House of Islam, uh, becoming prostitutes and mothers uh, yeah. that are actually, you know, uh, sending the girls out into the streets. And uh, according to the individual that uh, spoke about it, he said that girl prefers to be on the street as long as she can get a fix and enjoy her life. I mean, how do you react to things like that, Ibi? You know, you know, uh, you know, Shafat, we are we are dealing with parents, uh, mothers that are out on the street with the little daughters. Uh, we we know of cases where the mother was on drugs and she she was prosecuting a daughter from the age of six, seven years old. Hmm. And we know of plenty of these cases, then yes, it is a reality. It is a sad reality. We know of, you know, it's sad, it's sad, you know, from all walks of life, from all different, you know, uh, across the board, everybody and anybody, it's not a select group of people. It's happening under those big walls. It's happening in the, you know, very simple homes. It's happening all over. It's happening on a grand scale. Girls, as young. Look, Xanax. If you look at Xanax today, Xanax, 60% of the children tested in KZN and Western Cape were found positive on Xanax. Now, Xanax is a, it's a big problem among schools. It's a big problem. And it's now, it's around. So, yes, children at far younger ages, almost nine years old, average, they are getting hooked on this stuff. And it's becoming a very big And yes, it's the girls. It has become a serious problem amongst our females. And a lot of uh, because they are not empowered, they're not educated, they don't expect it to happen. When they see it, they look the other way and they pretend like there's no problem, only to find that they have a big problem years later. You know, we're sitting with professional people that have drugged their entire lives. You know, I know of doctors that drugged their entire lives and qualified as doctors. And then the guy Odis. Then we've had Alims that have did the entire Alim course intoxicated. And now he's an Alim. But now he's a full-blown drug addict. You know, we have Qaris, Qaris, people that are teaching the Quran. They've drugged their entire lives in Darulum and now they become fully-fledged Qaris intoxicated. So the thing is, we are not doing enough to deal with the problem. We are still complacent, we comfortable, and yes, the problem is serious amongst females. I would say, if, as opposed to men, if you look at the ratio, I think about 15% of the females, you know, proportionally to the men that are hooked on drugs. Hmm. You know, E.B., as you said, you need to be proactive. And, you know, certain uh, institutes we look at, no, they, we say, no, these are the bastions of uh, piety and so forth. I mean, Shaitan is getting in there also. And, and, and then you talk, uh, talk about, uh, you know, the parents. Uh, I mean, these uh, kids, uh, they, are they coming from uh, single parent homes or di- disjointed homes? Or is there a father in their lives, E.B.? Uh, no, 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 no. We have this mindset that he comes from a dysfunctional family. We have this mindset that his father, he was, his mother was a single parent. Yes, we get those cases. Yes, we get them. But if I tell you now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter hmm. whether you are an alim, whether you're a hafiz Quran, whether you're a tari, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an engineer, whether you are whoever you are. It doesn't matter. You can come from the most loving and the most caring home. Remember something. It's now... With the availability of drugs in this country, it doesn't matter where the child comes from. If you don't, and we as parents think that I've given my child, and I hear this every time, the parent comes to me, I've given him everything. The one mother comes to me, 
she made a son a halfway, she made him a professional person, she made him move out to one of the other provinces, he got a nice job, and she was living happily ever after, not realizing that the son was a full-blown drug addict. And then what happened? He gets into trouble. So now the mom comes to us, and I've given him everything. I made him a professional person. I made him a half-head. He's got good upbringing. He's got good background. We taught him everything. And look what he's done. So ask the mother, what do you know about drugs? Did you ever talk to him about addiction and the availability and how bad it is and what he does to me? Have you ever taken him to a support group to educate him about the ill effects of drugs like we did in COVID? Like we told the children what COVID will do to you. Remember, COVID killed 100,000 people. In this country, there are thousands that are dying on a monthly basis. You know, for the entire period, we lost 100,000. I can tell you, if 10 million of our population, look at the crime rate, 60 to 80 percent is drug-related. So, parents, we need to get it out of our minds. If you, me, and anybody think we've given our child everything, I want to ask you a question. What did you tell your child about drugs, the availability of drugs, the LGBTQ, and all these things that are going, what and education are you giving your children about these things? Are you disgusting if you say no? All the mother attacking us. Y'all are talking about this. Y'all are glorifying addiction. Mm. You know, they say we're glorifying it. We say, but how, how are you glorifying it? It's a reality. Then we have, there's a problem in the hook. We go and approach the, 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 the mana, the person in charge, and he sweeps it under the carpet because they're going to lose numbers in the world. So it's, it's a cover-up. It's a big cover-up. It's about time. It's about time. That every single parent take that time out. You know what we do when we had COVID? We read, we reset, and we are proactively dealing with it, and we saved our community. Now, do the same thing with drugs. Go and read about it. Educate yourself about it. Look at all these fraudulent rehab centers that are operating. Look at how they're exploiting people for money. Look at all the programs. Look at the different drugs and what it does to the brain. Look at the, the chances of coming out of cocaine, heroin. Look at the ill effects of what it does to your body, to your brain. Look at all these things. Then, I will tell you, you have now been an empowered parent and educate your child. Tell them, sit and talk to them. Give them that quality time. At least half an hour in the evening, over a cup of tea. We're all busy. But before going to bed, we got half an hour. Or 10 minutes. Have a cup of tea. How's your day? How's your friends? Check to see who the friends are. Turn the pockets upside down. Check randomly into the school shirt pockets, pants pockets. Check the bags. See who they're communicating with. Watch, watch them on social media. The other problem is addiction to social media. Mm. They found that to be one of the contributing factors to substance abuse because addiction starts with the cell phone and it grows. Now this vaping thing, parents are buying these vapes and what they're putting, you can buy a whole lot of narcotics, a whole lot of things and put them in the people, are, they're doctoring these things and they're putting all different things in there to give you high. Now we're allowing our children to vape. I go to schools, children are walking out with vapes. You know, all these things, we as parents, we, are, we seem to be losing our value system. We have forgotten our responsibilities. And we forgot that that child is your child. He may be your friend, but remember, you are the father. He's not someone that should be left free to do what he wants. There has to be discipline. Well, you go look at disciplining. Go to our, any, any of our functions and watch discipline. Mm. And you see, you see how bad. If the parent is not disciplined, how does he discipline his child? So it's, it's we parenting. We attributed the number one cause of substance abuse to be not bad parenting. We all love our children. 
we current in the sense that you don't know about drugs you don't know the effects of drugs you don't know how big the problem is in your community you don't know how to talk to your child about that that makes you a weak parent you know, Evie, you make a very important point when you talk about the addiction to social media. Uh, I mean, uh, pornography is, uh, you know, a, 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 a big thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a big problem. Yeah, it's, uh, besides the uh, kids are open to that. And, you know, with the new valueless system uh, that is being, uh, or the agenda that's been pushed at schools and all that, that is a danger also. But uh, the point here is, uh, I mean, you get the parliamentarian, I saw one Indian par- parliamentarian, you know, in social media is watching porn whilst uh, they're discussing issues at the highest level and then it's uh, become uh, you know it's become such a pandemic Uh, uh, perhaps it's gone worse than a drug addiction Uh, what's your thoughts on that EB? You know, uh, uh, porn is, well, we're picking up a lot of porn, uh, you know, porn addiction amongst uh, husbands, amongst wives, amongst children, we tell a lot of them. We have some children that we are counseling for porn addiction. And the thing is, you know, we put them in the same support group because the craves and the thoughts and all these are very same. The processes are very similar. And uh, porn, look, we, the bottom line, in this woman, I think all the things that the previous Ambias had has now gone, everything has come LGBTQ. You know, we had a female. I had a person that was here, and it was a female. To me, it was a female. Only to find out that when I put this person into a female program, then after a few weeks, they say, no, but this is a male. Proper female. Looked like a proper female. Then we found out this was a male. Then I get a male. He looks like an ordinary male. Now we put him into one of our programs. And then he started differing with all the other males. So we waiting. We're talking about LGBTQ. We're talking about it's going to happen. It's not that going to happen. It's happening. We're talking about porn. It's not going to happen. It's happening. It's happening on a big scale. But when we talk, where this guy is getting his story from? Where is he getting his facts from? Nobody wants to believe us. Nobody wants to accept what we say. But we're telling you the truth. Nobody wants to be even seen in our premises because we are the guys giving all the negative news. But remember, this is a truth to me. It may be somebody else's child. Tomorrow it could be your child. So that is why we are saying porn, addiction, all this is a new narrative they're pushing about a child can choose his sexual orientation. They're pushing that among children. Parents should not be able to even control the children. There's no pushback. We are suckers. We are sheep to the slaughterhouse. There's no pushback. They're just running all these things into our lives and we're just embracing it because it is nothing but our weakness of our iman that's allowing us to accept these things. Hmm. Where is the pushback? Where is, where is the, where are the people who are standing up and talking about it? Where are these actions that we should be taking against these things? Nothing. Nothing. We are all sheep to the slaughterhouse. Remember, I come not, uh, you know, an Islamic scholar, but I, there's one hadith comes to mind when our beloved Habib said that there'll come a time when the, Allah forgive me from this quote, when the Muslims will be massacred and the enemies will be celebrating while they're killing Muslims. And it was asked, but you know, the, what would the population, you know, the numbers will be very big. They'll be big in numbers, but the imams will be like, you know, the foam on the, on the surf when they go to the beach, you know, the surf that comes on top of the wave, they touch that foam. The imams do not that it doesn't even wet your hands. The imams will be so weak, like the foam that will not even wet your hands when you touch it. We are in that zamana. We are in that era now. Unfortunately.
You know, Ibi, you, you make a lot of sense. And also, you know, today, if you speak against, uh, you know, if you call uh, an individual, oh, you, you're a lesbian or something, they can actually sue you uh, for denigrating yeah. them because it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a given right. And uh, this new world disorder have uh, put that into law. You can't even pick on, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's going on on, on these uh, different uh, systems. You yes. see those that are fighting for haq and those that yeah, are... We uh, must stand for Allah's law. Allah's law tells us the weakness, the, the strength of Iman. You see something wrong, you stop it in your hands. Yes. If that you can't, you talk about it and the last thing you feel bad about, some of us not even feeling bad about it. Mm. We, as long as it's not happening in our houses, who cares? I don't have addiction in my house. You know, but what does it mean? Does it mean that we let it run tomorrow? You know, about 15, 15, 25 years ago, one in 15 homes. Today, addiction is in one in, two in every three homes. Now they're predicting it will be out of two children, one will be drug addict. Sitting quiet. Silence is acknowledgement. Sitting quiet. Not educating yourself, not getting involved in these programs, not learning about it, not strengthening our children spiritually, Islamically to deal with it. Our understanding of a, a Muslim child is making a half the Quran, but no spirituality. He goes namaz, up, down, exercise, no spirituality. That's Islam. But no, Islam is you must, we must feel. We must feel, the child must grow up to feel Allah's presence. He must acknowledge, he must live with a conscience. He must walk with a conscience. He must do everything with a conscience. Are we doing that? No. He learned how to read Quran. He knows how to read Salah. He knows Tahara, Istinja, all these things, right? Good boy. He knows everything. Where's the spirituality? You're teaching him rituals. And you become teaching the spiritual aspect of Islam. You know, we're lacking these things very badly and we're paying a very heavy price. Hmm. Now, Ibi, uh, you talk about uh, things like this and, you know, not producing quality and, uh, you know, compact uh, young men uh, that have succumbed uh, to these things. Uh, but uh, what about, uh, you know, the, the gaming factor is, is also a horrendous thing because uh, many have been captured by gaming from the Xbox to the Playstations and so forth. And, 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 you, and you see the type of games that's been produced. Uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, very anti-Islamic games where you go and kill Muslim so-called terrorists. And, you know, the, this mindset is being said. And we find our young Muslim men, uh, I mean, yeah, boys are uh, getting addicted to this game. Is it worse than substance abuse uh, gaming, uh, Ibi? Again, again. Why is this? It is a big problem. It's in the same category. Because what happens? What are they talking about in all these games? What are they promoting? So what do they tell you? And the gaming in terms of gambling, yes, big problem. It's, oh, these are all, we, we, are dealing, we, we are dealing with all these vices simultaneously. All these things are there. And the thing is, we are totally powerless. We are so busy. We are so busy chasing our tails that we forget that a lot of things happen around us that we're not noticing. And it's a big, big problem, Shafat. You know, we, we have no control on our children and the usage of the cell phone. We have no control over the game that they are engaging with. Children are left free to keep him quiet. And, and you know what? Children do this. We start to throw, throw tantrums because whenever you are busy on the phone and he's becoming a problem, give him the phone. He plays the game. Now, he sees a certain game, he starts to like it. Then he cries. Now he makes an excuse. Now I want to play. You want to go somewhere or you are using the phone. Now he wants the phone because you got him on the phone. You gave it to him. It was convenient for you to give him the phone when you were busy. Now he wants the phone. Now you don't want to give it to him. So he throws a tantrum. He throws a tantrum until you give it to him. So what are you doing? You're creating an addict in your house. 
because you gave him that you you created that mindset. The child now, if you don't give it to him, he say, "But yesterday when you were on the phone, you gave it to me. now, and I want you to give it to me." Hmm. So what are you doing as a parent? What are you doing as a parent? You playing games. You playing games with the child. Now the child, you are manipulating the child, and now the child has to beat you. So he has to learn how to manipulate you. So he throws a tantrum until you give him what he wants. Hmm. You don't give it to him. You don't know how to say no. You don't know when to say no, and you don't know why you must say no. So you are also playing. Your emotions are telling you what to do, and his emotion is telling him what to do. There's no, there's no conscience. There's no self awareness. There's no self management as a parent, and there's no discipline. What are you growing? Addiction. You know we what we finding out. Addiction didn't start when they got into high school. Addiction started when they were little. Mm. We finding that out now, because when the child did something wrong, you laughed. When he stole something, you laughed. When the teacher complained about, we find the teacher. So you are cultivating a drug addict in your house before he even put the before he even walked out of your yard. Mm-hmm. What you're doing, you're baking a cake with all the ingredients, and the only thing the cherry on the top is the drug. That's what you're doing. You're giving him all the ingredients for addiction. The only thing missing is the drug on the top, the cherry. Drug is only the cherry. It's the last, is the end of a chain of things that made you into a drug addict. You know, Ebi, the important thing is, uh, you know, uh, uh, to destroy yourself. The irony of the whole situation is that uh, you have to, it's expensive. You have to buy alcohol. You have to go and buy uh, uh, drugs. You have to go and buy uh, these gamings. You have to go and pay for the uh, pornography and all this. It costs you money. So in other words, you're spending good money that can enhance your life, but you're destroying yeah. your life, uh, uh, you know, by paying through your nose, literally, Ibi. Exactly. Well, this is it. We, we, we've lost, we, we, we are taught, we have become a dysfunctional community. A totally dysfunctional community. We have been swallowed, we have been chewed and spat out. We have been swallowed, we've walked into this trap of so-called, they've manipulated our minds with all these gadgets into accepting that that is the right thing in this world to do. This is the way. But we, the way is the Quran. Keep going back and reflecting on the Quran. The Quran is for all times in a home. Sit with your children. Don't read the Arabic only. Read the English Quran. Get your child to open randomly, open a verse on a daily basis before Asr, or before Isha in your house, or before Maghreb in your house, and read one verse. Hmm. You know, and let your child read it. Let him read it and let him explain it. And if he, and then you give him your explanation. You don't have to be an alim. Just give him a simple, what the Quran is, a simple explanation. The, word, the way the Quran is saying it. You're not going to tafsir, but for the child to understand the Quran so that it gets into his heart. If we don't put things into our children's heart, what do you think they're going to put in? All these games and all this porn and all this rubbish. Because they don't have boundaries. But if ignited by the Quran, you cultivate a conscience and you grow the child up with a certain value system, the child's conscience will trouble him when he thinks of doing something wrong. But if the child doesn't have a value system, he doesn't have a conscience, he doesn't know. For him, being a Muslim is exercise five times a day. If my father is not, I don't need Salah. Mm. I'll do it to my father. If you give me a cell phone. And we always barter. You know, we're doing this. We're always rewarding our children. We believe in rewards. We believe in rewarding. If you do well, I'll buy you a cell phone. I'll buy you a car. I'll buy. A father comes here with his brand new car. He comes here with his 18-year-old son. And he says, he's crying to me. And he says, I don't know what to do. My son has gone out of control. I see a brand new, I go out, I see a brand new BMW. With the, it hasn't even got the number plate on it. 
So I said to the son, get out of the car, please. I asked him, please, can you jump off? He jumped off. And then I said, okay. I said, do you have a cell phone? He said, yes. I said, can you give the phone? The father said, you'll never give the phone. I told the father, just keep quiet, please. Let me talk to your son. Can you give your father the phone? I don't know this boy. Give your father the phone. And I said, so he gave the father the phone to his father. His father asked, what did you do? You don't even know him. How is he? Why is he listening to you? I said, you know why? Because I have a reputation. He knows me. He heard about us. Mm. He knows. If I say something, you listen. Now, if that, if we are not, I'm not in his house, but he's listening to me. Mm. But the father talks, he doesn't listen. Why? The father made himself a joke. Hmm. So, if you need to, we need to, the parents need to command. How we command respect, we get angry one day, the child does the wrong 20 times in his life. On the one day you're having a bad day, you look the, you look the other way when you did something wrong. That one day you're not having a good day, I need something very minor and you eat it. What are you doing? You are not disciplining the child for what's right and wrong, you're venting your feelings on the child. So the child wonders, but 20 times I've done the wrong, he did nothing. Now I did something minor and he hit me. You know, because parents are not nipping these things in the bud. They allow it to run until one day they get up and they wake up from the slumber and, hey, this is not right. But not because it's not right, because they had a problem at work, so he comes and takes it on the child at home. This is the type of parenting we are seeing, and we need to change that. Allah has given us a very, the greatest amanat as far from, you know, in my limited knowledge, is your children. Mm. Not your wealth, your children. And if you, we can put all the money in all these fancy cars, big homes, beautiful. I know people are building mansions. Mansions, they're leaving millions for the children. The son doesn't even live to see his inheritance. Mm. So what are you doing? It is, we are not, we are not building character. We're building empires, but we're not building characters. And that's the problem. We are degenerating as an ummah. You know, Ibi, you bring in so many uh, different uh, points, but the, uh, let's look at the law enforcement of this country. They heavily compromised, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, they're taking bribes and there's the different mafias running different institutes and so forth. And how can we trust law enforcement when it comes uh, to, you know, checking that our borders are safe from uh, uh, the, the drug laws coming through or uh, uh, South Africa being used as a conduit and so forth? And how can we uh, trust them uh, to uh, even safeguard our youth? How's your uh, you know your, uh, your relationship with the law enforcement when it comes to combating. There are some. There are some very sincere people in the law enforcement that mean good, do good. I know some of them. They doing fantastic work. And at the same time, there are a lot of uh, many corrupted people. So the corrupt ones are the ones that actually feeding the problem. While those, you know, those that are trying hard to you know, get rid of the drug problem, they are being compromised. They are being challenged because the. The corrupt ones are going and tipping off the drug dealers that they're going to rage up, just clear the house, you know, and, and that type of thing. So it's hard because there's corruption in the police force, which the minister, I'm sure, is aware of and dealing with it. But they need to deal, they need to go. He's just making, the law, there's no law in a country, then there's total disorder. And we, I, I know if we're looking at the way the crime rate is going in this country and how things are happening in this country, we can see we're moving toward anarchy. We can see that, you know, and let's hope and pray it doesn't end up there. It's going in that direction because wide-scale corruption is a big problem. But whilst there, are, there is corruption, there are lots of good people as well. I know that I, that I see a difference. I know of police captains, colonels from police stations that will approach us and say, listen, let's do awareness at so many schools. 
Let's do an awareness and some people give us three or four schools. They'll come with us. They'll do an awareness with us at the school. So you can see there are some of them really mean good. And there are some of them, I think majority of them, or maybe, I don't know what percentage, but they are doing the wrong things, corruption, and they are working against the group. So they need, the Minister of Police, you know, I think he needs to get this thing cleaned out and, and really sort this problem out. Because I think he's trying, but he's overwhelmed because it's, I think it's in a scale that maybe the, the more needs to be done by the government to eliminate this corruption. Hmm. You know, you talk about the corruption, and uh, maybe if someone will ask you the question, they say, uh, but Ibi, you know, there's uh, so many uh, people that are compromised. But when you watch uh, these uh, drug lords, uh, you know, then you get drug, uh, drug lords being killed and so forth. And recently we had all these stories. But at the funeral of the drug lords, uh, so many people crying. And they say, oh, you know, he did so much for the community. But isn't that uh, uh, being so selfish and uh, not seeing the real problem? Exactly. This, we are a dysfunctional community because the, the, the so-called villain um, wants to make himself look like he's the main chap. And you know, we're living in that zamana now, in these times where good is seen as bad, as bad is seen as good. You know, we go through a lot of smear campaigns. I myself personally be accused of stealing people's money and, you know, abusing and assaulting and torturing people. I don't defend it because that's in Allah's thing. You know, if somebody smear you and slander you and you're not guilty, leave it in Allah's thing. If you are guilty, put it right. We, we are always on and we are always under and under for whatever he and I don't defend it. But you know, Allah is there to do but the thing is they are they are people, you know, uh, that are you know, that are doing these things, you know, and, and they get getting away with it. They're doing it on a big scale, you know, where serious crimes that are taking place in some of these facilities, in some of these places, and yet we don't hear about it. It's all swept under the carpet. You know, so the thing is, the good is seen as bad, and the bad is seen as good. You look, it's very blatant. It's, it's staring at us. You know, whenever something good is being done, there's always somebody to slander it and make it look bad. And you wonder, but if this people and this person has been doing all the wrong things, and so many people are there. At his, you know, what's that? What's going on? You know, he's dealing in drugs, and everybody knows him. And there's a good man that has passed away. You know, there's nobody there. Sometimes we get called out to carry bodies and have been first buried. We go into a place and we see this man was a good man. He passed through in a juma. Mm-hmm. And how many people? There's no one to bury him. Just his wife and him and one or two children. And then we get involved and Alhamdulillah, our boys go and they get involved in all these things. But, you know, it's we're living in that time where, <laughs> unfortunately, good is bad, bad is good. These are people that are being glorified and the people that are really making a difference are being put down. Mm. You know the saying of Hazrat Ali, radiallahu anhu, where he said, uh, there'll come a time when the dregs of society will be in a position of power. But maybe the question is, where does all the drugs come from? Is it more from, uh, you know, we know about Afghanistan and opium and this and that? Yeah, Tell us. Uh, talk talk to us. Yeah, you see your, your opium all that, your heroin all come from Afghanistan, uh, you know, that way. And then you're looking at all your, your, your what your cocaine come from South America. Uh, you look at all your, your cabinet for most of it comes from Europe. So it's coming from different places, you know, different places. But in country, they all have their own curves cut out. Each one has its own area. You'll find that, for example, in KZN, heroin is a big drug of choice. It's a big drug of choice. You look at Cape Town, uh, whilst you get all the other drugs, but the main drug of choice is uh, crystal meth. So you'll find heroin. So you find that they have this understanding where they will sell certain in certain areas. It's a very big operation. It's, it's a multi-billion billion dollar operation. It's huge. It's too big for anyone to walk away from. They sold the amount of money that's coming out of it. 
You've got to have a very strong to walk away. You've got to be a very, very disciplined person. You know, you've got to be strong spiritually to walk away from this thing. Fishies took a huge amount of money. You know, I've heard of cases where, you know, some of them, well, just, just being the middle man, the man makes 100,000 rand a week. Who's going to throw that money away, you know? So it's a big, it's a, it's a very lucrative thing. And it's coming from all these countries. It's coming through the borders. It's coming, it's coming from all directions. It's coming from all directions. Through the port, it's coming from everywhere. Mm. Then the other question that follows that up, who's the biggest consumer of drugs? Uh, which country, which population, demographically, uh, you know, uh, region to region? Talk to us, Ibi. Look, if you're looking at uh, the, the demographics in South Africa, it used to be, you know, one or two race groups, but now mm. I think it's, it's, it's across the board, it's everywhere. We don't have, really have, but if you look at, uh, if you look at, in, 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 uh, if you look at it, it's across the board. But, uh, like, you know, we know Western Cape is quite badly affected because all the started much more earlier there, it was free for all, you know, the alcohol. It was a challenge, and then drugs got in, and it became an even bigger problem. So Western Cape is quite badly affected, but KZN and Hauteng are not far from there. They're almost on path. So it's across the board. It's all over. It's all over. And you know what, what surprised me when I heard that KZN is the hub of all the drug activities right from the bottom of sub-Saharan Africa. From sub-Saharan Africa downwards, KZN is the hub. It's shocking indeed, Ibi. So oh, yeah. it started, started from KZN is a hub. And as uh, you know, we look at uh, the other demographics also. Or let's uh, go over to uh, maybe uh, Saudi Arabia, where they uh, you know, have gone into these clubs and uh, allowing gambling and all that. Uh, all these drugs will be getting into that uh, part of the world. Uh, if not, it's already in Dubai and the UAE. Yeah, but, yeah, but Saudi, Saudi's got a big problem with heroin. Mm. Big problem, there's a massive hospital in Jeddah uh, that has like 400 beds. It's a massive hospital. It's a huge, there's a big problem, you know, in the Jeddah area. There's a huge problem. It's everywhere. Drug is everywhere. It's, you know, it's, we've had cases from there that came to us, you know, in Durban that we, we have, we've handled from that area. So, yes, yeah, it's all over. It's all over. Drug is all over. It's all over the world. Mm. All over the world. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I've been, I've, been to the, I've been to one of the biggest rehabs in, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. There were like 400 beds and it was a huge facility, massive facility. So it's quite serious. It's quite serious all over. And uh, you, you look at countries like uh, China, India and all. We know that in, uh, uh, you know, the Chinese, uh, the British tried to destroy them by, you know, making them addicts and so forth. But uh, it seems as if the government in uh, these countries perhaps... Uh, they got the population under control. I mean, the Chinese alone, they are not uh, substance abusers. What about the Turks and a uh, few other countries uh, that we can look at and say uh, they're clean? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But I think other countries, uh, you know, they've eliminated corruption to a large extent and they've got to some level of order. Uh, if you look at India, heroin is a big problem in India. You walk in India mm. and you find that people sitting under the blanket and you can see like a light, they're flashing a light under the blanket and they're busy smoking heroin. Well, they call it smack. In India, they call it smack. So smack is a big problem in India. China has a problem. But the, the laws are very stringent. And in China, if they catch you, you see they have laws in place and they're very, very hard. If they catch drugs, you're gone, you're finished. Mm. You are finished. You have no chance. And that's what we need. We need very similar... But of course, our, you know, we just, you know, I don't know whether we'll ever get there, you know, with that point where we can put stuff.
measures in place. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, I think this thing is happening from the top to the bottom, you know, across the board. It's not, not, it's not the ordinary man that's involved in it. Sometimes there could be some big names that are involved in it, you know, that we, that, that, and, and that could be the reason why it's being left to go where it is, mm. the way it is Finally, B, uh, let's talk about the drug mule. I mean, uh, people that, uh, you know, they actually risk uh, their lives. And if, uh, if you get caught in a country like Malaysia, uh, you, uh, I mean, that's a death sentence for you. And, uh, you know, they are prepared to go and serve time. Uh, I mean, is that uh, so lucrative that they are prepared to throw their lives away, Ibi? Yeah, you know, when there's unemployment, when there's, when there's unemployment and there's people are busy again, you know, we all get into this rat race when we make a quick buck. You know, I've, I know of people who I've met, I've heard of people, um, they would carry the drugs with them and take it across the board, you know, across to other, abroad to other countries. And I've known of cases that were arrested, you know, and so some of them were even sentenced to death. You know, so, you know, we, we know of these things, but it's, like, like I said, it's such a lucrative uh, market that sometimes the, the, uh, the, 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 the need for the money is greater than the risk, you know, and we just go for it because we don't think of the part where we get arrested. We only look at this, the 100,000 in our hand or so many hundred thousand dollars, but you're not looking at rent, but you're not looking at if I get caught. You know, and that's why it's, it's being, there are more and more people getting into this mulling of drugs because of it's such a lucrative market. There's so much of money involved, such big names involved in it, that they, it's been so tempting that sometimes they say, I only did once in my life, I'll make $100,000, I don't worry again. But you can get arrested and go to your children to death. They don't think about that. Mm-hmm. It's the temptation. Danny B, uh, finally, you know, uh, from the 90s, it was the Nigerian menace that brought in drugs that are very high scale in this uh, country. Uh, you know, what about uh, other types of groups coming into this country, capturing uh, that market? Is there a competition for the Nigerians? Uh, or, uh, you know, the Nigerians, from, uh, they say, from the main city center, they're moving into the suburbs, Ibi? They're moving into the suburbs, but I, I would say, I would say uh, that, that, that was history. Nigerians were in the front. Wow. I think now, it's, I think it's everybody. There's a lot of African, other African countries that are people from other African countries. You know, from the, there's a lot of activity from the Asian countries, uh, from the Chinese, the Pakistanis, you know, the you know Indians. A lot of it coming from the uh, the, the people from the Tanzania, uh, and the Malawi, and from you know places like. Uh, all these Comoros from Congo, there are lots of these people that are coming. So it's basically, uh, South Africa has become a hub because it's a hub and the market is so, there's such a big demand. Everybody is just climbing the bandwagon. Everybody is climbing the bandwagon. It's all, it's a free for all, yeah, free for all. Uh, those containers, uh, containers that have been coming to Durban, the, you know, large uh, hauls of drugs there, uh, who's involved in the AB? It depends what drugs, you know, if you're cooking, obviously it's coming from South America. And, you know, really, it, it, there's so many of, uh, so many syndicates operating, it's so difficult to say, you know. Mm. But it's coming, it's coming from there. And uh, that's where the cocaine normally come from. And I know there's some big cocaine bust, you know, with containers and all that. And, uh, you know, I really don't know where it comes from. Uh, but it's coming from South America. And obviously, you'll never get to the person who brought it in because there's so many people that are fronting this thing, you know, know who the real culprit is. Mm. Well, yeah. your final question is, uh, how closely uh, do you work with other rehabs? And, you know, do you try and uh, maybe have like a Shura committee, especially if it's another a Muslim rehab? Uh, you know, how's the Taluk? How's your relationship with the other organizations? Rehab, 
we 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 you see uh, the rao program is not a straightforward program we don't we don't emphasize only on the person that has a drug it's a holistic program we work with families that one program for families one for recoveries one for the beginners one for the one that go back home so there's different programs and because of that we work very closely with government we work closely with other ngos and and for in cape town yes we work with a lot of muslim ngos in cape town you know um, a lot of them and we have uh, you know a reasonably good taluk uh, with everybody but the thing is uh, when it comes to the programs the programs doesn't allow us to you know, to discuss you know anybody to discuss for example the raw program is is a, is a comprehensive program so if you going to another program you finish that program and when you finish completely they should do everything if you taking 80 20000 and a month then you should do the aftercare It, what they do is they take in the the huge amount and they send the aftercare to us, and we are saying, but you know what? Don't if the guy relapses, who's going to be responsible for it? So mm. with that in mind, we don't take anybody that has been unless he's referred to us by government. We work very closely with the government. Unfortunately, we don't have many Muslim facilities organizations that are doing it the way it should be done, and they're not affiliated to government structures. We are part of the Substance Abuse Forum. Rauf is involved with, uh, you know, Tekwini. DSD, you know, there's a whole lot of the, the government department that we work with, you know, and, and we work closely with government, and then we visit the government. Yeah, they come to us, and we have a good relationship with them. As far as Muslim ones are concerned, they all doing something, but it's all you know bits and pieces. It's not something comprehensive. And we do, we, we well, of course, we have a lot of discussion, debate, and we talk and all that, but we don't really have a, a relationship where we can visit one another and exchange, you know. We'd love to do that, but we haven't got there yet. Hmm. Ibi, absolutely uh, brilliant indeed. I, uh, you know, wanted to keep you for half an hour, but uh, you were fly. You know, uh, 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 so much of power and vigor that you spoke with, and uh, so much of uh, nasiha you gave us. We had to uh, break the hour barrier here or over fifty minutes. Your parting words, uh, Ibi. Look, my parting word. I always say this to everybody: the best way to overcome the scourge of substance abuse is empower yourself. You, the parent, empower yourself so that you can empower your child. Get to know your child. You may think you know your child, but in reality, you don't know your child. So bring your children closer to you and empower yourself on how to educate your child and prevent your child from getting into substance abuse. Hibi, bless you, and uh, inshallah, Allah keep you, and Allah uh, always uh, give you success both in the dunya and the akhirah. And uh, 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 don't forget, we will talk to you soon, Ibi. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, alhamdulillah, so much of uh, you know, hey, thought, food for thought there, and imagine the precious amana that we've given uh, to us, our children, the amana, uh, you know, the. Uh, future of islam how much uh, of responsibility we have towards them and if those uh, kids are going off the straight and narrow we have as parents uh, to take uh, responsibility for that uh, perhaps you know getting distracted in this world of dist- uh, of a deception where parents are today are focusing more on themselves than uh, to care for the children and the needs of the children because it's also remember this the father is a, she- a shepherd of the flock and it <coughs> it is in the laps of our mothers uh, that the future generation is reared and it, this is important that you know when uh, we are producing the future generation we need to have them uh, properly trained and you know to be on the straight and narrow to follow the ayat wa athiyullah wa athiyur rasul obey allah and obey his messenger we make fervent duas uh, that allah protects us 
and uh, protect our ummah, uh, protect our young men and uh, women, and uh, protect uh, the Muslims the world over, and even, inshallah, give hidayat to those uh, that are non-Muslims, uh, that they come into the house of Islam, and their hearts are turned towards the house of Islam. And, uh, you know, whatever Islam says is haram, is haram, and uh, these intoxicants, these drugs, and uh, whatever that is coming through, uh, we are being surrounded uh, by a world of uh, deception, as I said, but a world of haram, and a world uh, that is uh, blatantly uh, you know, uh, challenging a divine decree. And uh, remember, the things of this world proceeds by divine decree and not by man's administration. So we should be caring about our children. We should be lifting up our hands and making special duas instead of fighting over petty issues. we got a big, big problem coming through. And as uh, Ibrahim uh, Dawood from Rofa uh, so eloquently spoke about uh, the whole issue, uh, we perhaps... Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what's in my throat. Perhaps we need to get him to come to our institutes and even talk and perhaps identify those uh, that, are, you know, they may be looking like the innocent flower, but they could uh, be drug addicts in our midst. So uh, be careful. May Allah keep us. May Allah bless us. And uh, whatever we do, may we do it in the manner that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most. I'd like to thank uh, Lukolo for um, uh, perfect engineering and uh, keep it locked on to, Mar- to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming from the team and I. Till we meet you again, we bid you Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.